Joining the guys every Friday is college football historian and Vegas legend Bruce Marshall from Vegas Insiders, CBS Sports, and his own website, BAMSports.net. With over 30 years on Memphis radio, with handicapping and sports talk, here's Bruce Marshall with Bryant and Brett. Bruce Marshall all the way from London with us. How you, that's wanting to get out of Las Vegas badly. <laughs> Head all the way to London, Bruce. Yeah, I know. I like to get out on the town in Super Bowl week. I went to the extreme <laughs> this week. I was yeah. afraid that was you up on the sphere the other day scaling it. <laughs> they have to take a gaming show over here every year, and uh, this year I decided to come. Uh, but And it's big. I mean, it's really big. And uh, so I was there. I've been here the last few days. But I'm going back tomorrow. Uh, so uh, Taylor Swift is not the only one flying across the ocean for, what, for the Super Bowl. She just going over a different ocean than me y'all are almost making you and taylor are almost making a circle around the globe aren't you <laughs> no if you add it up i guess we are <laughs> that, that, that that's kind of romantic she may have lyrics about that someday bruce the way she likes yeah. likes to write write her songs but did, why were you while you were in town were you there at all for early in the week i got here uh, uh wednesday morning actually so uh but i was so i was there a little bit early in the week i left tuesday so it took me a whole day to flying tuesday um but i know it was it was rainy earlier in the week in, in, and in las cold. vegas the weather was and cold and the 49ers i know are complaining about the field at unlv which is the nfl's fault because they have had total control over that ever since unlv season finished and getting that thing ready and uh, they said it was too soft and it wasn't too good but i you know the rain might have had something to do with that but um <coughs> my wife's been giving me updates she has twice uh, seeing the Chiefs buses uh, going by and uh, the, the, to the Raiders facility to practice, um, and they stay, they're staying out there in Lake Las Vegas, about a half hour out of town. But uh, three big uh, super buses with the police escort. Uh, yeah, that's the football team. So uh, they're there. That's for sure. Bruce, we know the Brits like to wager, but do they like to wager on the Super Bowl? What kind of handle with the will the biggest casino in London do? Well, I don't know the number, but I know they do bet it. I mean, mm-hmm. they bet the NFL here pretty good. It's on TV. Uh, through most of Europe, it's on TV. Uh, Germany, it's very big. And we were when we were over uh, uh, in uh, November uh, in Switzerland. Actually, we were watching the NFL on German TV and uh, the whole you know, that whole Sunday games uh, on there. So it's big there. It's big here. They're starting to expand. Uh, uh, the NFL is now coming to Spain for 2025. We heard about the Brazil next year, but they're uh, coming to Spain in a couple of years. They're already in Germany. That's uh, They're in, into a four-year deal there. They always come into London a couple times a year, uh, at least a couple times a year, three or four. So uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal here. It's not quite like the EPL over here, but it's big enough. Have you ever been to Brazil? No, and I'm, I'm not going there for an Eagle game. <laughs> no way. No, uh, I have not. Um, still on the bucket list, but down the list. Uh, and I wonder how those Eagles fans are thinking about that. And I read that is the first NFL Friday night game on opening week since 1970. And that, by the way, was the uh, old St. Louis Cardinals against the Rams, 34-13 to Rams. Look it up. And that's back when they would still play. The first year of the merger, they still played like these Friday and Saturday games. A lot of Saturday games that year in the NFL. There used to be a lot of those in the late 60s in the NFL and AFL, and there's still some in 1970, but uh, that was the last Friday night opening week game 
uh, and that was uh, the Cardinals-Rams back in 1970, the merger year. That's good his- historical recall, Bruce, and, and as you've told us before, long before the ABC Monday Night Football regular package started in 1970, there would be Monday Night Football games. It just wasn't a regularly scheduled, uh, you know, a, a full season-long run like started right. in 1970 with Browns and Jets. Right, and they, they started it actually, the NFL started in 66, and they would have uh, one game on per year, and uh, the AFL w- w- was doing it too by the end of the decade. In fact, they had some games even on Friday on national TV. The AFL 66, uh, Jets and Miami were on TV. NFL every year would do it one, and they were sort of testing it out. And by the way, this is all sort of a uh, an offshoot of that Texas-Alabama Orange Bowl game, which was at mm-hmm. night. And Pete Rozelle thought he had something here the night the night times could work. And yes, they did that. They started at sixty six. Uh, they had a Packers and uh, they had a Bears and Cardinals, and then the Packers and Cardinals the next year. They had a Packers in Dallas the next year, and they had a Giants in Dallas the next year after that. And the AFL had some as well. So they were testing it out through the late sixties and then full bore after the merger. Bruce, you could really make the case that Joe Namath drove a lot of the kind of the TV we enjoy now. He he was the driving force of that. He was on that Alabama team and heartbreakingly fell short of the end zone. And Sonny Werblin ran out with the contract as, as soon as the game was over to sign him. But what he did in, in the, the first Monday night football regular package game, Joe Namath really brought a lot of football to prime time. He did, and he was a very important guy. And, I, and I've talked to a few people who kind of poo-poo Namath, and I said, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. I said, he was he was the right guy at the right time. Certainly for the AFL, he was the right guy. And um, and that accelerated the merger uh, when Gazette got to the height of uh, the bidding war between the leagues, and it went on a little bit longer than they finally called the truce and had the merger the next year. Um, but, you know, Super Bowl three. And, you know, I, I know a few people who think, you know, somehow the Colts were wronged in that game, and it was, no, the right team won for football's sake. And um, I don't think anything shady really went on in that game. I think they, the Jets just won. But that was good. I mean, Namath was, people forget how how big a star he was. And that Bachelors 3 story, I mean, he actually retired. In tears. Sort of. After the Super Bowl, and didn't come back in until training camp, but that was dominant news back then. I mean, if, if that if something like of that magnitude happened today, uh, I can't envision what the coverage would be like uh, with ESPN and all the other sports networks. But you know, he was the right guy at the right time for sure. I like that description, right guy at the right time, and a lot of that for that league. And it's no shot at him. It's no slight of this great player who was his childhood idol, but he was the opposite of Johnny U. Right. Uh, Johnny U, very buttoned down. And the country was know. ready for that. Yeah, and uh, he was just a different uh, guy, although they had great, he had great love and respect for Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 19 just, in high school at Beaver Falls. Right. And uh, it just, they were just, their personalities were. Totally different, uh, but that's just the, you know that's just the way it, it went. Uh, but he did idolize uh, Unitas, and I think Unitas had a grudging respect for Namath too. Most most of the players like Namath. Uh, he was not an unpopular guy. A little bit with the Jets for when you know, we parted some, but I mean a lot of um, uh, when when the Jets lost some games in the sixties, 
you know, he he took some flack for that. But for the most part, a lot of most of the players really like him. They liked him, especially off the field. They thought he was good fun, and they thought he's a good guy. Jim Brown liked him a lot. So there you go. The victorious team on Sunday, they they both teams win or lose stay at the Super Bowl site, and the victor and even the defeated team, the, the the party is on. And a lot of NBA teams, I know Golden State one year, they won it on the East Coast, and they stopped back in Vegas and partied a day or two before you know going to San Francisco or, or to Oakland for the, for the victory parade. Sunday night in Vegas could be quite special. Well, it Late. could. Into Monday. It's funny. I, I, I was told, before I left on the trip this week, I told my wife that I can remember in the 60s coming, we'd come once a year to Las Vegas in the summer, every summer. And, you, and back then you would come in and you would drive, you'd, you'd kind of go by the airport, uh, by, it was called McCarran then, uh, Harry Reid then. Uh, but we would see the Dodgers plane, and they had their own plane, um, and the KO2, KO Mally 2, and it would be sitting there. And that was, and, and when the Dodgers would come in from a road trip, and uh, they didn't have another game until Tuesday in LA, the plane <laughs> oftentimes went to Vegas, and the Dodgers went have fun for a day, and then they went to LA after like Monday night, they went back. <laughs> so yes, it's been going on for a while. Bruce, one and night, the, I'm, I'm going to say about seventy seven, seventy eight. I'm listening to the Cardinals late night, and they're wrapping up like a Wednesday night game in Los Angeles, maybe San Diego, and then day off, and then on Friday night starting a series, whichever other one it was. And it happens. It happens with us. A mic was left on, a microphone was left on, and you could hear Mike Shannon ask Jack Buck in in very conversational uh, tone, said, well, what are you going to do on the day off? He said, I'm headed to Vegas. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he went out over there. And, and, well, then, you know, and then they reeled it back in. You know, Jack Buck, you know, top of the night for the Cardinals. But it all went out over there. That is funny. Well, we I, one time I distinctly remember watching the Phillies play the Dodgers on a Sunday in uh, L.A., and he was pitching. This would be in 73 in August. And then we went to our summer trip to Vegas the next morning, and in you know Caesar's Palace, we saw him in the casino there. Steve Carlton, yeah. so the other players, they'd stop there on the way. You know, he might have went by himself and caught up with the Phillies later, but I think that's pretty pretty common. Those guys used to, and you know, I used to see the, a lot of the Dodgers and uh, Rams, Dodgers in particular, at the racetrack at Hollywood Park. I remember seeing Willie Davis there and Drysdale. So uh, they were. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's it's been going on a long time. Bruce, one thing I used to so love when you would write up at the goal sheet and you would rank all, like now it would be all 57 Super Bowls. Quickly for our listeners, go through what you, you have thought through the years, the top two or three Super Bowls. Well, I thought that New England-Carolina game was really special, um, especially since it started out kind of slow. And then it just turned into one haymaker after another, and there were lead changes in the fourth quarter, I want to say it was the highest, might have been one of the highest scoring fourth quarters ever. It just went back and forth, back and forth. And uh, Carolina scored that tying touchdown just a little bit too soon. And um, Vinatieri was able to hit that 47 yarder to win the game. That's That was his second game winner in the Super Bowl. But I thought just the way that went, big plays, back and forth, uh, dramatic second half, that really, uh, that thing really uncorked in the second half. I thought that was, I thought the, 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 
Ravens 49ers Super Bowl had an awful lot of drama to yeah. it. I yeah, was there. It, was, um, it, it, it had a lot of drama on and off the field. Well, yeah, I mean, the blackout thing was, uh, yeah. ear, something, it was an eerie backdrop to it, but all of a sudden the game caught fire after that in the 49ers. With, with the kickoff return. Run. Yeah, longest yeah. In, in NFL history. Jacoby, yeah, he went 109, and uh, the Niners looked uh, completely dead, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 they're back in the game. And it made for a really a, a corker of a finish there. So I thought... Those two are really good. I actually thought the Pittsburgh-Arizona Super Bowl was uh, really good. I mean, there's, there's been a bunch in recent years that have been more uh, competitive. But, you know, that wasn't always the case. Brett, you remember, I mean, there was a, about a 10 or so year span. Unwatchable. The, uh, it, yeah, it, it started the party phenomenon. It started the ad, yep. advertising being locked in on the ads phenomenon. Yeah, and... Uh, they, they were one-sided games, and then the ads became a bigger deal. People had to stay around and watch the commercials. But the NFC won a whole bunch from the early uh, '80s. Uh, in, after the Raiders beat uh, Washington, beat the Redskins, there wasn't another AFC winner until uh, Denver beat the uh, Packers. Uh, that have been what 14 years later, um, and most of those were blowouts. And the '90 after the '94 season, that would be Super Bowl '29. Uh, the the Niners Chargers had the biggest point spread of the year in the NFL, if you can believe it. Eighteen and a half, nineteen, and it did get there. And but it was mostly because the Super Bowl trend is so many blowouts in a row, and people just bet into that. And that was the biggest line of that season was in the Super Bowl, believe it or not. Yeah, that was Steve Young's great day. He was MVP yeah. of that one for his only Super Bowl win against San Diego. And I still think Bruce for Bobby Ross win a national championship at Georgia Tech, and you get the Chargers to the Super Bowl, there ought to be statues galore for him. Yep. Uh, that's uh, the only time the Chargers ever been there. And, uh, you know, Georgia Tech in our lifetime, I mean, back go back to Bobby Dodd and John Heisman, I guess. But, uh, you know, in modern history, that's Georgia. That's the only, I mean, whiff of it they've had at Georgia Tech. He actually won the title there. It was Something else. I mean, he uh, had put uh, Maryland on the map uh, before sure that too. Maryland, Maryland had sort of dropped off uh, after a bit Jerry Claiborne. Had, after Claiborne, yeah, yeah. Bobby Ross could could really coach from college football today, and, uh, and you always have good good angles in Southern California with UCLA. Were you surprised? I mean, Chip Kelly was ready to get out of there, and now with Bill O'Brien being hired by Boston College, Chip Kelly now leaving UCLA as head coach to go be offensive coordinator at Ohio State. That's wanting out bad. Well, that is only, and I think he saw the handwriting on the wall, didn't like it. He moves to his, he marches to his own drummer, and, uh, you know, he's, he's sacrificing some salary this year, but he's, I mean, how much money do you need? He's made a lot of money over the years, so that's not a big deal to him. His eagle payout had to be good. Yeah, he gets some pressure removed, although, being an offensive coordinator at Ohio State's got some pressure. He actually coached Ryan Day in college. Um, he was the offensive coordinator at New Hampshire, uh, where they are actually both from. So he and Day go back an awfully long time. And he had Day on his staff at the 49ers. So there's a connection between those two. The timing, though, was really rough for UCLA. I mean, really bad. Uh, because, uh, first of all, the coaching cycle is pretty much completed uh, right now. Uh, the portal is pretty much emptied out, but they open it up the portal for 30 days after a coaching change. So all of a sudden UCLA could have a bunch of guys go in the portal and not have the full portal menu 
uh, like teams have had the last month to fill the, the, the gaps. They have got to make the move very, very quickly. Um, and I'm thinking they actually might go back to USC and uh, tab Danton Lynn, who USC stole from UCLA as a defensive coordinator after the season. But, I mean, now, would he come back to UCLA as a head coach? Yeah. And would that maybe keep a lot of the Bruins in place and not in the portal? Uh, perhaps. it's That's a risk UCLA might have to take here. He's never been a head coach before. But they got to make they got to do something really quick, and they got to do something like that, or they, they risk next year having their their program stripped if they have forty five guys go in the portal all of a sudden. Uh, they cannot wait; they got to do it really quick. And they lost the guy that they thought someday would be their coach and Jed Fish to UW, yeah. and he's he's not leaving them to go back now. Some are are lobbying for Rick Neuheisel's son. Super Bowl Sunday uh, coming up with Niners and Chiefs. Break it down for us, Bruce. I think this is going to be a slower-paced game. Uh, and I'm, a lot of people think it's going to be a big uh, a shootout. I, I do not think it is going to be. I think it's going to look more like those Giants-Patriots Super Bowls 12, 15 years ago. Uh, because mm-hmm. that's the way Kansas City was playing most of the season. And that's why they bring this undermark, 11-4-1, last 16 games into this one. Now, the one recent game that wasn't, the Buffalo game did go over, although that one slowed down in the second half. But most of the game, the the, the, the Baltimore game, the same thing. Uh, th- this offense does not move the way it used to move. It can still be effective, but they move in shorter chunks. It's Mahomes having to improvise a little bit more. Uh, they try to get the running game going with Pacheco, but they don't have the downfield passing threats they've have, had in past years, and they don't strike that quickly. Their drives usually take a long time. And their defense, is this the best defense of the Andy Reid era? So I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. In Kansas City's big favor, the biggest edge they have is a kicker. Butker, we've talked about this before. I've never seen him miss back to Georgia Tech. Moody, I seem to see him miss every week for the 49ers. That's an issue for San Francisco. But I do think the, uh, the more playmakers on the San Francisco side, and I know Mahomes is beyond reproach, uh, but if Purdy plays well, that's not going to be that big of an edge for the Chiefs. And it's within Purdy to do that. And he's got... Uh, Every one of his receivers is better than every one the Chiefs have. And I'm counting Kittle over Kelsey, too, because uh, Kittle can really do something downfield. He's a great runner. And certainly Debo and Ayuk, um, the Chiefs can't match them. And McCaffrey, um, Pacheco's okay. He ain't McCaffrey. There are more weapons on San Francisco to, to, to do something here. Their defense is good enough, I think, uh, to keep the Chiefs at bay. Lower scoring, uh, updated score for me, 24-19, Niners. So I think they pull it out. Um, if this number was three, I'd be leery. But um, as long as it's under three, and this game might land on three. Uh, but if you're only laying two in San Francisco, you can do that. But I would look under as well. And not a lot of people seem to like the under, but I certainly do. Bruce, I do too. I'm at twenty three twenty. It's going to be full sweat, but you still get paid. You, you may have to. You may have to hydrate Monday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're gonna, it's going to be a kind of tight. But I think everything. You know. These teams played nothing but close games in the playoffs thus far. One other note, the Niners have been getting a lot of flack from a lot of people I've been talking to in the radio and hearing around uh, Vegas for you know struggling against Green Bay and Detroit. But I reminded people, look, both those teams beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They both beat the Chiefs. So don't knock a win the 49ers had. Those teams are playing very well down the stretch. Green Bay was darn dangerous, and so is Detroit. And I thought uh, San Francisco showed a lot 
uh, especially playing rope dope against Detroit like that, but finding a way to come back in those games, and they look like they were in trouble. So that's something we hadn't seen from San Francisco before, and I think that's going to help them in the soup. You weighed very in the, in the shallow end on the prop bets. Anything you like? Well, uh, there's a couple. Just a quick uh, note. Uh, props, have fun with it, um, but uh, don't listen to anybody who talks to you about props. When I, in fact, I wanted to leave town when I heard somebody talk about the national anthem and how long they thought Reba McIntyre was going to go. And I said, look, don't, just stop that. Just, just let that go. Don't, don't do that. But uh, in your mind, uh, kind of envision how the game goes. I remember uh, no's and unders happen a lot. And, and in Vegas, this is why they love the props, because people usually bet the over, the yardage, or the points, and yeses uh, on, the, on the yes-no props. But one Niners win margin... One to six points, which is what I think this game's going to land. Uh, you can get like a plus 300 on that. That ain't that bad. Um, neither team scores 30 points. That's a little less than even money. But I think if it plays out the way I think, that's one that might uh, work. Um, a, a unique Super Bowl. This is not every book has this, but I've seen some. The Super Bowl will have a unique score to the Super Bowl. Uh, a score line at the end that we haven't seen this Super Bowl, and that's, that's very random as you get plus 450 on that. doesn't look bad. Team bets, uh, Kansas City under like 368 yards. I think that is a decent bet uh, on, a, on a team bet there, and uh, that, would be, uh, that would be something I would look at to uh, maybe uh, under Chiefs yardage. But you're real. Your your camp keep it real fun on the props. That unique score, forty three to eight for Super Bowl forty eight between Seattle and Denver. The the Seahawks yeah. uh, clobbering Peyton Manning. That I, I think that's the only forty three to eight in NFL history. Bruce, uh, what about the weekend in baskets, real quick? Well, you know, I mentioned UCLA a second ago, and by the way, there's hardly any games going on tonight. A couple in the Mountain West. Watch this Nevada-San Diego State good game. Nevada at home, they're starting to play better. I think Nevada might be worth a look. Tomorrow, uh, the Gonzaga-Kentucky game fascinates me uh, because uh, Gonzaga sort of could really use this win. Kentucky hasn't been playing quite as well, although they bounced back. I can see some points in that one, maybe an over. A couple of others on the off the track there. Air Force is going over every game. They play Fresno tomorrow. Maybe looking over there. San Francisco's going over like every game. They play Santa Clara tomorrow. Maybe looking over there. And one more. I mentioned UCLA a second ago. Hoops, keep your eye on Mick Cronin. He's got these guys turned around remarkably. Mm-hmm. I would not have said that a month ago, but they are winning. They just beat Stanford the other night. That's six out of seven. And the only loss in there was the Arizona game, and they almost beat Arizona on the road. I think they beat Cal tomorrow in Berkeley, Leia, and it'll be a very short price, and I'd take UCLA. And he didn't suddenly forget how to coach. And what about the crowds from Mark Madison at Cal? He's really got that student body turned on. They had over 11,000 the other night. Real quick, before you tell our listeners how to get more information, I need that one or two seminal Super Bowl moments for you that stand out. When you think of the Super Bowl, you think of these one or two moments, please. Buck Buchanan throwing Jim Taylor to the ground in Super Bowl One, the only Super Bowl I've been to. And that's about all us Chiefs fans, because I cheered for the Chiefs that day. I had to cheer for him in the second half. So, uh, and Taylor thought he could fight Buchanan. Bad idea. Yeah, bad he threw idea. threw down like a rag, rag doll. The other one was uh, the Pittsburgh-Minnesota Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl Nine, uh, Halftime score, two- Nil, 
Pittsburgh. Look at that. There was actually a Super Bowl that had a 2 nothing halftime score. Speaking of unique scores. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's been uh, three Super Bowls where the safety has actually been the first score. Giants-Patriots in that Seahawks-Bronco game plus yeah. Steelers-Vikings. So safeties have kind of popped up. And, and that, that in safety season. in the Seahawks-Broncos game came, I think, on the first play of the game. It did. Yes, it did. In the first play of the game. And the, there was like some staggering proposition that the first score yeah. of the game would be a safety. And the, and some of the sports books got hit with that. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, quite a shocker. Bruce, as always, thank you so much. Tell our listeners how they can get more information about you and from you at Vegas Insider, CBS Sports, and BAMSports.net. Yeah, check us out, uh, VegasInsider.com. We'll have basketball. I've got a few games up there tonight. NBA's going pretty well. Not much college, but I'll have one up there. And uh, the weekend, and some hockey, too, and, of course, football. That's uh, up at um, uh, VegasInsider.com. You can also read my stuff at CBSSportsLineSportsLine.com. Once in a while, I show up there on CBS Sports HQ. Bruce, y'all be, you be safe getting back home and enjoy, and we will visit next Friday. Okay, thank you, Brett. Thank you very much. Bruce Marshall, that we so enjoy, and you hear that big brain at work on that recall, and it's always fun. He goes 24-19. That is a total of 43 points. He but he, he goes San Francisco. Allen Bell goes Kansas City 23-20. That's 43, and I've been giving it away all week, and I'm going to do it again in about an hour when we make our picks. I'm 23-20 as well. So I'm thinking right in there on the over and under with Allen Bell and Bruce Marshall, our Friday handicappers. When we come back, we go to Northwest Arkansas and talk SEC and the Razorbacks. We do it on Sports Time every Friday during football and college basketball season with our friend Ty Richardson. That's up next. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Time to talk Razorbacks on Sports Time. Joining the guys is Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas to talk all things Hogs and SEC. On Twitter X at Ty Sports Radio, here's Ty Richardson with Bryant and Brett. Come on, all you Razorback fans, let's stand up and call those Hogs! Ty Richardson joins us from Western Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas, over in Fort Smith, very close to Fayetteville. He joins us every Friday from ESPN Radio during the college football and basketball season, and we appreciate it, Ty. We will get your Super Bowl 58 pick, but let's start with the return of Devo Davis. Uh, Memphis has had that situation. I I don't think it's uh, that 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 odd that a lot of players step away and then decide to to come back and eric mossman welcomed him back yeah it was an interesting situation the second time it's happened in his career brett and uh, for arkansas to to be where they are in the season and uh just kind of unfortunately be two and seven in the league and uh i i, I don't know entirely what happened behind the scenes um i'm kind of again in the dark like everyone else seems to be but uh, I think this is, again, this is an Arkansas kid. Jacksonville, Arkansas is about hour and a half, hour 45 for Memphis. And you just, you'd like to see him finish out the rest of his career, hopefully on a high note here in Fayetteville. 
and he hit a lot of big shots for the Razorbacks in his career, and I think that's why he's had this really this broad latitude of, of, of two times uh, leaving the team. I, I, uh, Jay Billis said it. I'll say it. He, he quit, but he returned, and he, he thought the better of it. Tomorrow the Razorbacks play Georgia. Georgia needs the win probably more than Arkansas, but Arkansas is at the friendly confines tomorrow. Yeah, that's, I mean, they won by 10 earlier this year. I'm talking about the Bulldogs. This is a game that Arkansas, in normally under air, must win, win, and might win pretty handily. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, they find themselves in a situation that is really unbeknownst to us. Even in the first year, man, they had games where they competed, and for the most part this season, a lot of the SEC games have blowouts, which doesn't make a lick of sense. So, uh, Georgia's going to have, uh, I think, I think when you look at the Bulldogs, like their best player, uh, Abdul Rahim, if I remember his name correct, was pretty bad against Arkansas. And they still won by 10. So I expect him to play a little better. And But Arkansas, again, back at home, week off. Uh, it, it's a toss-up for me. I don't think it's like swings either way. Like, definitively, this team's going to win the game. And that's what Las Vegas thinks about it. One-and-a-half-point favorite for the Razorbacks tomorrow, 5 p.m. on SEC Network at Bud Walton Arena against Georgia. Of course, other than the outcome. How was how was Baton Rouge and Pete Maravich <laughs> Assembly Center? It was painful, stats. I mean, I go down there thinking, ah, oh, you That's know, the other part I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, two different types of pain, though. Yeah. Pain that you, you do something too much, too much of a good thing, and then uh, ate too much, and then also uh, just watched a, a pitiful basketball performance. But it was cool. I mean, I, it's not like going to SEC football venues, man. You've been to them all, not all, most of them. And there's just a different element to SEC Saturday in basketball, especially with the 11 a.m. game. But I'm so glad I went. That's my favorite college town in the SEC. It's not the best, but it's my favorite. And uh, crossed it off, I think, for the fourth time. That's really good. I've, I've been everywhere in football except for Oklahoma and won't go there this year. And there's no scheduling past this year. I think we're all kind of waiting maybe for that ninth game, but we know the SEC's not doing it unless the TV rights go up and they really pay for that ninth game. And as we go into the future, you know, we're not going to have the, the kind of the scheduling model that we had with the Old West East setup. Yeah, and that's I was reading an, an article again about uh, that nine game versus eight game, and, and ESPN not forking over enough money. They're already paying like I think it's eight hundred eleven million dollars for this new television contract. They're spending it a lot, and I I am really curious because I think we thought at SEC Media Days that it was going to clearly be a nine game schedule, and yeah. then the it kind of it kind of shifted and. Maybe it was Greg Byrne that said something about it. I can't remember 100%, but it was one of those things where uh, it didn't happen this year, and if it happens in 2025, great. But I'm going to be honest, man. I wouldn't be surprised if that goes back another season because ESPN's trying to hold out, and SEC, or SEC's trying to hold out for more money, and ESPN's not willing to fork it over. I think they will really hold out until they get the money for it. I know they will. And I think they want to see how this first year of the playoffs, if, if, if they, if anybody can, the SEC is thinking we're the first team that gets a team in at nine and three. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's any question. Big Ten's not far behind the SEC. I don't think. No. I mean, I think Michigan showed Alabama and showed college football that they can contend with the big boys. Is it in like an every weekend thing? I don't know. Like if you stack these teams up, they has got or, uh, Michigan's got a lot of dudes on that last year's team, and we they, we saw it in 
been firsthand from watching what they did to Alabama, watching them just destroy Washington in third segments of that game. But yeah, the SEC would be that team that, like a nine and three team, maybe a, a ten and two uh, a, a squad gets to the SEC championship, loses by one or a heartbreaker field goal, and the committee's like, well, this is still one of the best teams in college football, and puts it in. So. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Our guest, as usual, on Friday during football and basketball, Ty Richardson from ESPN Radio in Northwest Arkansas. Ty, how did your listeners respond to the news of Nick Saban on the college game day set? Well, I was excited. Apparently, I talked about it too much. I was probably just as happy to hear him retire as I was to see him out because I wanted him just away from coaching and taking Arkansas's tail, which he did every single year in Tuscaloosa. Arkansas was over when he arrived at Bryant Diddy Stadium. I'm every game since two thousand seven they lost. So I would um I, I think the majority I would say the majority of our texters and caller stats were pro positive, pro Nick Saban being on game day. How is it gonna work? That's a lot of people. I mean you you do radio shows, I guarantee I if I'd guess you've been on television segments before I mean, they got a lot of mouths to feed on set during yep. a three-hour show. It's the so Brady Bunch. I mean, it's, it's a lot of screens. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, those producers are professional. They know what they're doing, and they'll figure it out. Saban's good on TV, and I think he'll be good on that college game day set. I, I'm I'm with you on on. I think at most places he he will be greeted as as what he is the greatest college football uh, coach ever. Now, th- this is one of the unusual uh, bits to this. I don't ever remember, well, you know, because Coach Coach Paul Bear Bryant died a month after he retired, so he you know he didn't make it even to the next year to kind of be around. Nick Saban may be the most successful college football coach ever to be out there in retirement with all that winning and not young, but certainly got a lot of great years ahead of him. You know, Newt Rockney, you know, famously, infamously went down in a, in a plane crash. Nobody else. You know, Woody Hayes' career was wrecked after after the punch. He 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 couldn't go out. Bud Wilkinson went right into TV and and tried politics. But nobody's won as much as Coach Saban's won, and how he will be greeted at some of these SEC towns. I think Oxford, Starkville, Fayetteville, Columbia, he will be greeted fairly nicely. Lexington, but. He he can't when he goes to Baton Rouge into Tennessee and to Georgia and Auburn, uh, it, it's going to be rough. Yeah, I would think the same thing. I don't think Arkansas fans are going to boo him because there's while there's I don't know if it's hatred. There's a there's a high level of respect for what he's done in college football. And again, it's frustrating to me that he kicked Arkansas's tail every single time. But I, I those those towns that you mentioned, Athens, uh, Knoxville, Auburn. And then also, um, I'm forgetting the the other one, you know, Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. He's, I, I don't think he's going to get a welcome reception there at all. Uh, but maybe after a year or so, maybe a couple years, maybe that changes. But at least for this next season. And then, and I bet he eats it up. I bet he eats it up, too. I He he is a better showman than what he's put on in, during the course of his coaching career. I think he's going to really unleash that this upcoming season. Oh, I so agree. I, I think there's a personality there 
that will be turned on after the battles over coaching that people will really respond to and will see, you know, kind of a, a fun loving person. And also this, the ambassador, the love of the sport of football that he'll go out and advocate for. I think we need tomorrow in the SEC. There's one, uh, Ole Miss is off and there, there are six other, there are six SEC versus SEC games, but one game with a non-conference game, Kentucky and Gonzaga. We talked about future football scheduling. What about in future basketball scheduling? Maybe give fans a break at this point of the year and maybe have an Arkansas in Memphis. They've played in February before in 95 at Bud Walton Arena. Great atmosphere, great game. Tomorrow, Gonzaga and Kentucky. What about maybe breaking it up a little bit, the monotony down the stretch of the the regular conference season? That's I'm all for it. Me too. You and I and Brian have been gung-ho about that idea for months now. And it is odd to see Kentucky, and they elected to do so. They're like, no, nah, we don't We don't need a midweek buyer. We don't need, we're we're going to play Gonzaga. And that's, again, the brand of Kentucky. It's for recruiting purposes. It's the big CBS game, so props to them. But, yeah, I, I think the idea of, again, putting Arkansas and Memphis in the FedEx Forum, in Bud Walton Arena, every other year at this time of year is fantastic because – you had the, the again the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, which kind of interrupted conference play. Then it got replaced by the ACC SEC Challenge, which I thought was a, a pretty good success, especially in Fayetteville when they beat Duke. But yeah, I, I, I would I don't even think I'm going to be honest. I don't even think the coaches like having to buy. I know LSU used it to, to its advantage last week in Baton Rouge, but Mustin seemed and maybe he's different. He just loves basketball, but it, it didn't seem like they even liked the the stretch of having a midweek buy. Uh, before a conference, but maybe other coaches feel different. I, I want a lot more challenges, and I want a game or two, maybe a game in November and two or three in December, especially with these expanded conferences of conference games. Let's bust out of the gate a little more instead of playing, you know, directional or you know, someone you know with a hyphen in it. Let, let let's have a <laughs> let's let's have Ole Miss and Arkansas maybe play on a Friday night of a football weekend against each other might as well man i mean college basketball gets just destroyed by it does. the late stages of college football and so if you want to mix it up you have to give something now the idea of again putting college basketball the same weekend as college football game is perfect because people are going to be in town already you give people a reason to not just watch but go to the game I think that's a fantastic idea Brett. and everybody can't get a table at Herman's on friday night so go to bud walton <laughs> arena Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the place you took me in Oxford again? I took you to Tallahatchie Gourmet. Tallahatchie Gourmet, where they can't get a play, they can't get a table at Tallahatchie Gourmet. That's it. That's it. Ty Richardson, we need your Super Bowl pick. Casey, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to go broke betting against Patrick Mahomes. You sure he will. Is, he's remarkable. And I, I just like, he has the Brett Favre mentality. You just can tell he loves to play football. Just balls out. He and, does. Yeah, and he, what's, what else is so impressive about him, first of all, he's 28. Second of all, he's played his best football, arguably, in the playoffs where the defenses are even better, not just this year, but years past. And there's so much tread on those tires, man. I mean, Patrick was talking about the other day, he wants to play in his 40s, so we get to enjoy. You, I don't like the Chiefs. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I do. But we get to enjoy watching this young man who, a lot of times in sports, you know there's that stopgap. You have a great player retire, and then you wait a few years, and the other player emerges. 
We don't have that. Brady retired. You got to see them play twice. Brady beat them right before he retired. And now Patrick's taking over. It is a seamless transition for the National Football League. And thank goodness, because trust me, there's been years in other professional sports. You've had to wait five or six years. That's just no fun. You take Kansas City. Give us a score. I'm going to say Kansas City gets it done 31-27 to in an epic matchup. Mahomes lead him, leads them on a game-winning touchdown drive. And Kyle Shanahan, once again, gets to the championship game but comes up just short. That TV rating would approach 130 million people. Ty Richardson, have a great weekend. And if you're going to Bud Walton Arena tomorrow, enjoy and get a Razorback win. All right, Stats, will do, man. Always love to catch up with you. You got it. Ty Richardson with us every Friday from ESPN and, and ESPN Radio in Northwest Arkansas. And his pick continues. Everybody loves Kansas City just about and the over 31-27. When we come back, no picks, but our big number of the day. You're listening to Sports Time. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Johnny, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to go with my big number of 3,079. 3,079. Whoa, is what a number. number. That's a big, odd number. Isn't it? Uh, all, it was easy to go with the... The fifty-one point three million that the SEC distributed every to every member institution from TV last year, but that, that's almost too big. Three thousand seventy-nine people can really get a grasp of, and what is that number? That's the combined yardage for every single Kansas City Chiefs starting quarterback in Super Bowl and Forty ers in Super Bowl starters. Their wow. passing yardage. Here's Lynn Dawson. Leonard Dawson is, is Hank Stram would always call him. Super Bowl one, 211. Super Bowl four, 142. He got 142 in a win. Oh my goodness. Patrick Mahomes in 54, he got 286. In 55, he got 270. In 57, 182. 353 and 738, 1091. Joe Montana for the 49ers. Only 157 in Super Bowl 16, and then listen to these next three. Super Bowl 19, 331. Super Bowl 23, 357. Super Bowl 24, 297. He adds up to 1142. Steve Young, in that one Super Bowl that Bruce Marshall yeah. was talking about, he went for 325 against the Chargers. Colin Kaepernick, in a loss, went for 302 in defeat. And Jimmy Garoppolo in defeat in Super Bowl 54 went for 219, 325, 302, 219, and Joe Montana's 1142, 1998. 1998 and 1091, it better equal 3079. Wow. Okay, man. You... I told you I had to take off my shoes and socks. <laughs> what a number, man. You set the, you set the ball real high, real high. Come through for me, Johnny Bryant. Hey, 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 Brian, I know you're listening. I know I'm a hard judge. But, hey, man, I got a short and simple big number. 
25. Okay. Okay, man. You you really mentioned it earlier, um, but 25, that's that's for Gigi Jackson. And the reason I said 25 is because he's the only youngest player since Kobe Bryant to have 25 or more points off the bench. And how convinced, how coincidental mm-hmm. that that happened as his statue got unveiled in that ceremony yesterday. Man, so it was like is man. Vanessa Bryant the strongest woman on earth to man. go what the, through she, what she's been through? You think of her heartache and sadness. Man, the thing about it, Brett, she lost a daughter and a husband in right. one day, blink of an eye, and that just not trying to get off topic, but this right. just this. It just shows how, well, I, I've, how I've simple got, life, life can just change. I, I, I've got it in my notes to talk about it during crunch time. And, and the Lakers and all kind of all the great franchises, baseball, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers, uh, you know, college basketball, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, college football, Alabama, uh, you know, USC, Ohio State, kind of the, the, that big legacy great program. Yeah. Great franchise, NBA, Lakers and Celtics. They yeah. really do the ceremony first class. They do. And it's why I cracked on all that around the in-season tournament. The Lakers don't – they didn't need that for any legacy. They didn't need that for for their – you know, kind of for their own puffery. They've yeah, got right. it. In that ceremony yesterday, I, I, in, in reading about it, and watching her and her composure – and still, you know, now, what, four years later. And it don't feel like it. You know, still heartbroken. It has to wake up a lot of days. Just how in the world did this happen to me to lose it, to lose a child and, and, and a husband in the prime of, of, of life for, for a husband and to see her kind of over that ceremony. And when they cracked that confetti cannon and pulled the, the, the curtain off, yeah. that, that was an emotional moment. It was, man. And and the irony, the coincidence, as you said very well, Johnny, for Gigi to do it on that day. Yeah, and he got a contract. Sports, man. Sports can really sports do Sports is it. amazing. It, it really sports is. is amazing. Sport, sports can be uh, – it, 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 it is so good. And, and last night, it was fun to be there. You know, that's the one that in a few years – We'll we'll be talking about is you know kind of first big breakout moment for Gigi and we expect more. Yeah, I expect more to come, especially with him only being nineteen. Like that's just amazing, man. Like you just think about T- like, turn nineteen last fall. That's it. Th- <laughs> I mean, he's nineteen and a half he, max. He, he can't even do nothing really, <laughs> no. but but go to the gym. <laughs> that's it. That's all he can do. <laughs> but and it's just amazing to see. That and and the ceremony also, man, because it made me think about the ceremony anymore. That was an amazing ceremony, man. I'm not going to say I was first. I'm not being that guy. But when Kobe Bryant switched from number eight to number 24 during that career that we knew he was off to and was going to gonna yeah. have and going to complete, I, I said on these airways, if Bryant was here, I would ask him, guess where I was? I was right here. I said, one of these days – Two retirement ceremonies, and they're the only team to have uh, two different yeah. numbers retired for one person. And it's three statues. It's going to be eight, twenty-four, and that was just the unveiling of eight. They're going to unveil twenty-four and a tribute for the number for his daughter that she wore in youth basketball Man. L- later. And and I, I like I like that ceremony. I like how the Lakers did it. And you asked me the other day, my my favorite player ever, and I mentioned 
before Zebo, it was either Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Pistol Pete Maravich, and Kareem was very prominent at that ceremony and just one of the dignified people of sport. Also, Brad, that just shows the impact that Kobe had on on a franchise. That not just one, two, three, yeah. three statues. It's a, it's amazing to see the legacy they have, man, on, on the game now, of LeBron's basketball. LeBron's going to get that at a couple places. He will have six retired wherever he wore six, and he'll have twenty three retired wherever he wore twenty three. And he, I think he wore them both with Miami, didn't he? Yes, he, he'll he'll join that and should. And yep. absolutely should. He had. I know he had six with Miami. He had six, six and twenty three, wasn't with, it? With, with the Lakers. With the Lakers. Okay. Yep. So he only had six with Miami. Yeah, he okay. had twenty three with Cleveland. So he's gonna have some statues as well. He's gonna have statues, and he's gonna have a lot of retirement n- number night tributes, and and he should. He, he he's that big a figure. And even though I've had fun at, at his expense with the in season tournament and all the celebration, two hours in the books. When we come back, we start hour three. We do that every Friday talking Tigers basketball. Our guest will be Jason Munns from the Commercial Appeal on the Tiger basketball beat. It's presented by Jim's Place Grill in Collierville. That's up next.